as we discussed earlier this week, Nashville SC has a new winger. It is also announced its end-of-season roster decisions, and uh, we're told there is a small hashtag outside-in soccer tournament taking place in the Middle East uh, with a big and maybe somewhat unexpected Nashville SC storyline. Let's get into it on Club and Country. Good to talk to you again this week. This is the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. I've got that. Uh, spiel memorized by now tim sullivan yes i am the proprietor of clubcountryusa.com where i have been writing about the team and then breaking things down longer than anyone on the internet and i'm wes bowling who's been talking about this team in audio format for uh, longer than um well about as long as anyone we say longer it, it blurred lines there but a, a good long time uh at least on maybe the radio side of things. we'll let you fudge it if i were a little bit more of a stickler i don't think it would be self-serving for me so. <laughs> and that's what's most important right i mean we we did start golden goal like what 48 hours after you started club and country yeah, something i think like that. it's it's tight it's tight for sure one of those sites is still around uh <laughs> we uh, we know who the boys in gold will employ next season and who they won't at least in part as the first big roster deadline has been met and then later announced uh by the club and uh there's one new player switching from one bright color to another fafa pico uh hopefully you heard our interview earlier this week uh, with Victor Ariza from the striker. If you didn't, you don't need to go right now, but right after this podcast, put it in your queue and, and listen to his insight about what this new wing wing will bring to Nashville. SC. we'll talk about it a bit here today as well. And Shaq Moore is going to be with the U S men's national team in Qatar. Massive news for him. Great for NSC as well, Tim. We knew Walker was going to be there. Shaq always kind of seemed like he was on the outside, outside in, uh, outside <laughs> looking in, um, but uh, he's in. And uh, that's that's huge for him. It's nice for Nashville SC as well. Yeah, it's going to be huge for Nashville SC. This is a club that a lot of people think is kind of maybe on the lower end of the MLS talent scale in some ways, although league MVP, uh, two-time defender of the year, who is once again a best 11 player this year, even though he did not win defender of the year. Talent at the very top end is is has always been pretty recognized. And Shaq is just another piece that's going to add to that top end. And we'll see uh, throughout the course of this very episode, whether we think there's going to be the ability to add some more depth and, and kind of bring up the floor a little bit from some of these spots that can really take Nashville to the next level. And here's some fun trivia for you guys. Nashville, one of just two MLS teams that can boast multiple members of the U.S. national team. Tim, we asked this as a trivia question on uh, Tuesday's episode. Do you you know who the other the other team is yeah, offhand? It's Christian Roldan and Jordan Morris for Boom. the Sounders. Got it. The Sounders. There you go. Uh, in the early shout today, we'll get into that roster news. Uh, NSC's roster announcement, I don't think, was full of surprises, but still plenty to talk about, as it is the first real roster milestone of many um, this offseason, uh, Nashville, by the way, we won't get into this too deep, but uh, safe from the expansion draft as no mm-hmm. boys in gold were uh, were selected by St. Louis FC. Uh, plus, we'll, we'll talk a little more about Nashville FC's newest wing. Again, we heard great insight from Vic Ariza about what Fafa Pico will bring to the boys in gold. We'll go a little deeper in our gold nuggets uh, and uh, more Shaq talk there as well before we get to your mailbag questions and discuss the roster philosophy this offseason, a World Cup question or two in there as well. And uh, as we go outside in, we're going to chat about uh, the World Cup and we're going to do that throughout the tournament, but we're not going to give you the typical prognostication that you can get at a global level, at a national level, we're going to do it at an NSC and at an MLS level uh, to give you those relevant storylines. Tim, it should be a lot of fun as I know I am so pumped for this tournament to start. 
yes, I have reservations about its location and about the human's <laughs> right, human yeah. rights crap and all the cognitive dissonance going on right now. But I think we can simultaneously speak out against those things while still being really excited to see some great soccer here soon. Yeah, definitely. It's it is a situation where, uh, like a lot of things with FIFA, you kind of have to decide that the sporting world is going to have to get your support with a pause on some of the other stuff. Um, we saw it with Russia just four years ago. It's a situation where you kind of have to, you know, put that aside a little bit if you want to watch the World Cup. And if if people make the decision that they don't want to watch the World Cup because of some of the stuff that has gone on, I cannot blame you at all. I would not be watching it probably if I weren't so excited to see the U S back in it. So it's a situation where, um, you know, everybody has the opportunity to make their own choice and I'm not going to fault anybody if they are excited, but, but can't find themselves compelled to actually put it on their television sets. I wonder if my computer is somehow like reading my mind right now or somehow <laughs> hearing what we're saying. I just got a notification at the bottom of my computer on my calendar world cup in two days and it's got the logo and everything. So I guess my computer does not feel guilty. <laughs> Um, about the tournament. Um, one thing you can enjoy, of course, and that we love with this podcast, with Nashville SC coverage, is that sense of community. And ML Rose is going to be providing that opportunity. They will have watch parties at each ML Rose location. And from noon to 3 p.m. at all four of their locations, $3 Oscar Blues loggers uh, during U.S. matches. So that's uh, Monday the 21st, Friday the 25th, Tuesday the 29th. I plan to be there for, um, I believe for Monday for sure. I'm out of town for for one of the others, but I think Monday for sure I'm going to be be there to watch and enjoy. hope you guys will meet me. I'm going to be at the, um, of course, as, as you would say, Tim, the best and most important neighborhoods location, <laughs> the, the West Nashville uh, location. As once again, Emil Rose is coming through for soccer fans. No surprise there. Yeah, I have a little anecdote. Why do you always tell anecdotes during our ad reads? It's, it's my turn to tell a little Bring anecdote. Yesterday, yesterday, my lovely bride and I were out to to a late breakfast slash lunch type situation. When you have a, a young baby, it's just the times of day don't really exist. Can, but yeah. uh, it was funny. I overheard a couple of the waitresses talking, and one of them was telling her colleague that um, she was going to um, pick up extra shifts at a bar that she works at, which was not ML Rose. The the moral of the story is going to be that ML Rose would not do this. <laughs> but <laughs> the woman goes, yeah, it's like the, the playoffs for soccer or something. I don't really know what it is, but they need extra help. Uh, ML Rose would not do that. ML Rose very much knows that that the World Cup is coming. They know what the World Cup is and, and their servers have been well appraised of or apprised, sorry, of what the of what the stakes of the World Cup are. And that's something that has always made us proud to have ML Rose sponsor this podcast because they are a place that that not only wants to understand soccer, but but does understand soccer. And they're excited to to have people out to watch these games. Um the uh the afternoon games for for the US have lined up perfectly for people to go take advantage of the Oscar Blues deal. They get it. They absolutely get what soccer means to uh, this community and in this case to our country. And uh, we can't wait to watch some matches with you. Let's move on to the early show. Papa Pico, can you get a third? Papa Pico! Oh, yes, you can! Oh. It is rifled in! It is rifled in! It's a second for Pico! Put that nail in the coffin! AT&T Sportsnet brings you the call. The final goal that Fafa Picot scored as a member of Houston Dynamo. He is Nashville's newest player, as announced a few days ago. He comes to town for 100000 in combined game over two seasons. Incentives, though, can take that deal as high as 250 k Tim, um, again, we, we want to encourage people to go back and listen to that previous episode. Excellent interview with Victor Ariza to learn a little more about uh, Picot's playing style. But let's pretend that at least some folks haven't done that yet. 
elevator pitch here. What is Fafa going to bring to this team? Yeah, I think first and foremost, this is a guy who's a speed merchant, and he's always been a speed merchant. And that's why I was actually really glad to talk to Vic. I'm also going to stump for our episode earlier this week because he has really good insight having watched Fafa play for the Dynamo the past couple of years. And um, when you're a guy who's starting to get up in years, pace is one of the first things that goes. But Vic was very clear that this is a guy who still wants to and can win with pace. And that's the way that he's going to beat a lot of defenses. He's a guy that has a little bit better finishing than I think he has gotten credit for historically. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a sec as well. But um, a couple, just a couple national team caps. So he is a guy that has been recognized by his country as well. Um, born to Haitian immigrants in New York, but he has represented the United States on a couple occasions. Um, came up through uh, Philadelphia Union after trying his hand in European academies for a little while. So he has, I think, some of the things that you expect with a guy who is developed by the Union as well. And that's something that Nashville is is very high on the way the Union develops players. They might not play the same sort of style when when the senior teams hit the pitch, but they love guys who are developed that way. We see it with Alex Mwil, who was developed in a similar system with the Red Bulls, even though it's mm-hmm. not quite the same. But it is a situation where Nashville loves these guys that have the work rate, the work ethic, and maybe don't always have the technical ability. Fafa is one of the exceptions to that. He is a very technical winger, and he's somebody who's going to be able to add a scoring punch to this Nashville team. And as we get into our gold nuggets, those results start to speak for themselves. The six-year veteran, again, uh, moving into his fourth club now, uh, 18 goals and 61 appearances over his two years in Houston. And again, this not the most high-producing uh, attack in Major League Soccer. So those are pretty good numbers when you consider that. Um, as you mentioned, got to start with the Union in 2017. Here's the thing that I think stands out to me as well. He's played at least 28 matches in every non-2020 season. He still played mm-hmm. the vast majority of matches for Dallas in that shortened uh, 2020 season as well. Fair to say that he's worked his way into the fabric of his club's attacking operations in each of his MLS seasons? Yeah, definitely. I think a way that you can think of him, which I guess probably could have fit when you asked me to describe him, is he's kind of a rich man's Jonathan Lewis to me, which is Mm. kind of surprising because Jonathan Lewis has eight caps and has been called more camps and, and Pico just has the two caps that I already mentioned, but... He is a guy that has athletic attributes that any attack can use, and he does have enough skill to make it work at the MLS level. And that's something that he that, like you mentioned, he has done everywhere that he's gone because that combination is 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 basically, you know, if you were to make a cookie cutter MLS player, especially one who's a domestic player, Fafa fits a lot of those. uh, He checks a lot of those boxes, I guess. I've been searching for that direct comp in Major League Soccer, and we asked Vic that as well. And I, and Jonathan Lewis is is a perfect answer to that. I hadn't thought of that. The, 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 it just popped the, into my head. You, I, I, I was filling out the rundown and I was like, well, I just had a, a light bulb went off. It was exciting <laughs> for me. Love to feel smart. Well, let's Somebody's going to come in and say they're completely different players and make you feel like a dummy. <laughs> Uh, speed is his hallmark and you've mentioned that we've talked about about the the home run threat that he's going to bring on the wing but you also refer to the fact that he doesn't just bring speed for the sake of speed he's a producer and when you look at the trend lines the production seems to be at least in raw numbers strengthening here in the middle stages of his career Mm -hmm. 11 goals in 2021 that was a career high he had seven more this past year yeah per the fancy stats uh, which I'm specifically referring to American soccer analysis's goals added metric. His best year was his second year in Philadelphia, which part of that was because Philadelphia has been pretty good uh, since he's been come back to the United States to play domestically. He's basically alternated a weak year with a strong one ever since. So the 2021 season was a very good, um, you know, conventional statistics year. It was not necessarily his best year, according to goals added. Uh, from a Nashville perspective, you want him to break that trend because last year was a very good year per goals added, and he's he's due for a bad year if that trend holds. 
one thing that's interesting is is his first year with a new club, um, including his his time in Dallas, um, not his time in in Houston. Uh, he's he's been a little bit better. He's he's kind of improved uh, over the previous year, some of that time, and maybe that new club bump can give him a really good chance to have a big year for Nashville in his debut. So as long as he has his alternating down years in reverse cadence to CJ Sapong, who also kind of has that statistical <laughs> pattern. I guess I guess it's okay, or maybe you want him to really just both hit it once, and, and yeah. then you just explode. Honey Mukhtar probably appreciate that support. I don't um, think he wants his teammates exploding. Well, no, probably not. That would be a little <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, um, it, let's talk a bit about how he fits into this team. That mm-hmm. was kind of my my first bit of curiosity because I think you know we saw with the addition of Jacob Schaffelberg. Spoiler alert: in case you didn't know that, he is now permanently a boy in gold. Uh, not forever, but you know, he, he's, he's not years. alone anymore. <laughs> he's yeah, forever. He's gonna be 84 still playing. <laughs> um, but you saw that the desire to have a little more speed to stretch the pitch, mm-hmm. um, to widen the pitch as well. A guy with boots on the touchline in Schaffelberg's case. Um, and so then the question is, where does Fafa fit into that equation? And part of that is what sides you going to play on. Victor Ariza has some opinions on that in in his interview with us but essentially 84 of his MLS matches have been on the left side 28 on the right according to transfer market it's not set in stone but it's the the mm-hmm. best easy indication we have of, of where he started yeah. those you know matches. we're not going back and watching 84 games worth of film believe <laughs> by next week maybe but not this <laughs> week we hadn't had time yet but there would appear to be some positional versatility there mm-hmm. do you see him as as competition for Schaffelberg on that left flank as a Sean Davis situation where, you know, he's going to find his way in regardless of kind of how it works out. There's always going to be kind of a place for him to compete for a spot. Uh, or, or do you think maybe he's an inverted type of player? You put him on the right side and, and give Leal more of a free role than playing him on the wing. Yeah, this is, this is going to be, well, I guess we sometimes say uh, the part that I'm going to say, I'm less concerned about tactically positionally where he plays left or right, because he can play both sides. But to me, it's it's what skill sets do you want onto the onto the field at a given time? And he provides, like Schaffelberg does, a completely different positional profile than Randall Layall, who is, you know, your outside shooting type, kind of a hardworking winger. Whereas Schaffelberg and Picot are speed merchants. If you're looking for that sort of guy who can come in and, and stretch the field, especially the width of the field, the fact that you mentioned um, you know, kind of the verticality of it was kind of interesting to me because we saw Nashville SC try for that in the first couple of years with Don Baji and Abu Don Ladi, who they had expected to both play up top, um, kind of in a rotation. Less so with CJ, although CJ has decent speed. He's not like a speed merchant. And it seems like there's been a real effort to get speed wide, which mm-hmm. obviously helps open up the middle for Hani Mukhtar. And I think if you get Schaffelberg and uh, Fafa on the field at the same time, you have a, a, a speed uh, mismatch. If you get Schaffelberg on the bench where Fafa steps in and plays on the left, you have a guy who can cut in onto his right foot while Leal is a guy who can play wide on his right foot. You have a lot of different options. And I think that's more important than which position is he going to play more frequently? Mm, that's a good thought. And I think whereas Schaffelberg as a younger player who's developing quite well, but is a little mm-hmm. less, you know, savvy and mature than he will be when he's 31. Schaffelberg can have pretty strict marching orders, get, get wide, get high. Fafa can be a little more intricately woven in probably to, mm-hmm. to some of these patterns of possession and play. And I don't know that this is going to turn Nashville into this positive, proactive, 60% possession team. I think it's going to make them better at what they currently do, which is yeah. to be a little more direct in the counter and mm-hmm. deadly and and maybe put teams on their heels and and not not press the ball forward as quickly on the other end uh, against this Nashville group. It's really interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I, I think it gets them out into transition the same way that they have been, and it gives them more 
uh, ability to get in behind quicker when they do get into transition. Fafa Pico, and again, fifth time we've said it. Go back and listen to that interview with with Victor Ariza for about 20 minutes worth of perspective on what he's going to bring to this club on the pitch and, and off the pitch. High ratings uh, from uh, from the folks down in Houston. Uh, let's get into the other roster news. Nashville SC announced its roster decisions on uh, Wednesday and uh, largely what we expected. Um, just a quick, quick list of the players who had options picked up. Bauer, Hawkinson, Longmire, Mayer, Panico. Pico, of course, Schaffelberg, Jacob Schaffelberg, a permanent player now, again, forever. Uh, Taylor Washington <laughs> and Joe Willis. Dax McCarty extended. Um, and CJ Sapong will continue with the club as well. Uh, my understanding is that the, perhaps there was a contract uh, agreement earlier in the year that just was not reported there. Uh, players who are no longer with Nashville SC. Uh, options declined for Robert Castellanos, Jose Donaciano, Brian Meredith, and Will Meyer. So Nashville's going to be um, looking at, at finding a third keeper. Um, it, it's strengthening the back line just a little bit with maybe a draft pick or, or something supplemental there. Uh, and Jose Donaciano, a player I think we both agree showed some promise, but and it had a decent loan spell at times in, in Phoenix. Any Anybody there you want to point out that's, that's a surprise? No, I want to I want to point out that, like you mentioned, the backup keeper situation is is obviously Elliot Panico's, but there is going to have to be another keeper added to to provide some depth. We've seen this club very willing to add a guy in the draft. Will Meyer was that guy a year ago. So, um, Jose Jose Dinasiano is one that, like you mentioned, that kind of surprises me. Mm-hmm. I've been wondering if if nobody picks him up on uh, reentry. If there could be maybe an MLS next pro in Huntsville sort of situation for some of these guys, like Castellanos is another guy that this club was very high on. I'm sure. really surprised to see them not pick up uh, an option on his contract because they have really liked him. Obviously he broke his ankle on playing for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And that could be something that limits what they see as his upside potential in the long run. But some of these guys who are on the younger end and have looked good on loan, you mentioned Donaciano looking good at Phoenix. I, he was outstanding. I watched most of their games when he played. Um, he missed a couple with injury. I think he missed one with red card uh, suspension as well, but he's a guy that that I'm really surprised Nashville didn't look at and say, this is a guy who can fill the exact same sort of role that like Dax McCarty does going to going to need more development, but eventually could fill that role. So those are the surprises to me. We haven't seen how Nashville SC is going to handle the staffing of uh, the MLS next pro club. And that could be something where, Hey, we're going to release you from your MLS contract. We're going to pick you up on a next pro contract. And that opens up roster slots for us to add to our MLS team. You're still in our thoughts. I don't, that's just my speculation. I thought of it this afternoon when we were getting ready to record it. It's not something that I'm reporting. So it is something to keep in mind. It's, it's good speculation. Castellanos, of course, a higher goals per game uh, number than Hani Mukhtar for Nashville SC. Listen, man, if you want, if you want a guy to play precisely one game for you, but you need a goal. Robert Castellanos <laughs> is your guy. He's the man. And uh, yeah, he, he, I think your MLS next pro point is well taken and we can see Nashville uh, make some more roster moves. There are a couple spots on your roster too, that can only go to homegrowns that they could certainly look at it, at, at taking some very small to non risks on homegrown <laughs> players and then stashing them down in Huntsville and, and allowing them to develop. One other note, I, th- I think it's common sense, but just to make sure we're all clear, if a player remains on Nashville SC's roster now, this this juncture was not going to be the moment when a, you know more trades were announced necessarily, or when an Akiloba sale sale had to happen, or anything mm-hmm. like that. This is just the first stage, so don't think that if they're on the roster now, they're going to be in the future. This is just moments where options needed to be either picked up or declined, and a couple other pieces there. Mm-hmm. 
Wes, you sometimes spring trivia questions on me. Okay. And I'm going to spring one on Let's you. Go. You might have seen it uh, on the Twitter account of our good friend Clay Trainum, but uh, Robert Cassianos and Cozy Dinasiano, both with a single appearance for Nashville SC, uh, named two other players, one USL era and one MLS player who have that uh, distinction, honor, whatever. Just one appearance? To make exactly one appearance. Did Rodrigo Pinheiro ever play a second time? Is he one of those? Uh, he, got, he got 11 minutes one time. I think he started a game and, and only played the first half. <laughs> Oh man! Oh man! Oh god! One of them is a guy is is a guy who was Shaq, perpetually injured. Shaq Adams, USL. No, I don't think he ever played. He never actually played. I I think Jordan I'm... Dunstan. Jordan Dunstan. He played a game. I yeah. forgot. He yeah, he, he made he came in at like the eighty first or ninety first minute to like kill time in a <laughs> in a match. The uh, perpetually injured uh, MLS player Jimmy Madronda traded to the Seattle Sounders. That's right. He did. He played in the opener, didn't he? Against Atlanta, and then. Uh, has done quite well in Seattle uh, as the yeah, club. Always an injury knew he risk that something. Nashville, uh, d- it didn't work out for them. Although we see why it was worth taking because he has had his moments for sure. Well, you nailed the trivia question I asked you and I completely flunked. Um, but I gave Shaq as an answer because Shaq's are on the brain right now. Um, <laughs> Shaq Moore is on the World Cup roster. Um, for the longest time, we talked about him as, yeah, you know, if you had to rely on him, he certainly has the quality, but he's probably on the outside looking in. And yet Greg Berhalter made the move. Why? Yeah, because he's smarter than John Herdman, who did not make the same move with <laughs> Jacob Schaffelberg. No, I, I think it's because um, DeAndre Yedlin is is in Qatar largely because he's a popular guy among his teammates. He's a vibes guy, not the player that he was in 2014, not even the player that he was in 2018. And you need a pure right back backup. And there's kind of a weird depth situation at the fullback spots because you're starting right back. Serginio Dest is probably one of your backup left backs. If mm. anything happens to Anthony Robinson, knock on wood that it does not. Um, and Joe Scali is also kind of a two-sided back who is, is maybe your top backup over Dest. If you want to keep Dest on the field and if something happens to Anthony Robinson, you're probably putting Joe Scali in at left back. You need a right back backup and Shaq Moore sets a really high floor. I think people, mm. Kind of say, oh yeah, he's not a guy who's who's going to go out there and excite you as a World Cup player. Therefore, he is not a World Cup caliber player. But he does set a high floor, and he has a bit of attacking punch with that high floor. And he's not he's not Serginho Dest, but he can whip in a nice cross, and that's something that you might need at a, at a given time. And he's going to be a sound defender for sure. It's it's great news for him. By the way, while we're talking about Nashville SC right backs, forgot to mention. One of the roster of Eric Miller out of contract, now a free agent. Sorry, circling back then to to the current topic, uh, the the purpose, one big purpose of Shaq Moore's move to Nashville was to help him, at least in the short term, get in the mix for a World Cup spot. Do you think that move to Nashville SC and when it happened and how he played here was that a key factor in helping him earn this opportunity? Uh, it definitely didn't take the path that we were expecting when we we're saying <laughs> if he comes to Nashville, there's a good chance that it helps him make the World Cup. But I mean, obviously, it didn't hurt. Um, he wasn't in Europe like for funsies, but um, being in Europe for the sake of being in Europe, um, to the extent that uh, a team that plays in Spain but is located off the coast of Africa and the Canary Islands with Tenerife, um, visit Tenerife uh, sounds awesome there. Anyway, <laughs> just being in Europe is not a selling point for the international level. You need to be playing and you need to be showing um, some sort of skill set or some sort of value to a national team. He did that at Nashville SC. And if, even if some of his value is extremely familiar with Walker Zimmerman, that, that's a selling point that works for him. And that's obviously one that we expected to work for him when he first joined Nashville SC. You referenced that attacking punch that he brings. And Greg Berhalter also referred to his 1v1 defending skills as mm-hmm. something that are a nice asset if, if necessary. 
that's something he certainly showcased in his time at, at NSC yeah. in the second half of the year as well. Okay, roster season is underway. Free agency is open. As Wait, what the... season is it? I'm sorry. Hot Tim Winter <laughs> is underway. HTW, of course. I, I just figured our audience would know that already. Um, <laughs> yes, hashtag Hot Tim Winter is happening free agency opened Wednesday. Uh, so again, Eric Miller now on the, on, on the market, um, Thursday time of recording, uh, MLS re-entry stage one has taken place. So to break it down to him again, you know, here's my oversimplified explanation. If a player doesn't meet the criteria of free agency in terms of number of seasons played and age, and they're released by their club, they're out of contract with their club, they have an option, option decline. They go into the MLS re-entry stage. Fair, fair description there. Younger players, lower tenures yeah there are like some slight nuances to it for example end of year waivers which you have written here but yes if you if you do not qualify for free agency you essentially are put on a list and teams can draft from that list if you don't get picked from that list it's essentially teams can claim you in the discovery process which is like how you claim a dp as well which is very funny imagine eric miller as a dp if he weren't free agent eligible that sort of thing but yeah essentially you get put into a pool and uh earlier today and then again next week there is a, a draft from the players in those pool that is actually how nashville got eric miller in the first place um drafted him in re-entry from new york city fc i remember when it happened i was sitting in my sister's house and i was like nashville's not going to pick anybody and mm-hmm. then i had to write a story real quick uh <laughs> many years ago but yeah so um teams teams are not finding their next star in re-entry for the most part but you can get useful pieces and and we have been big Eric Miller uh, puffers over the past couple of years because people seem so down on him, but Nashville got a lot of value out of the guy that they got in re-entry. So don't think that there's no value to be found there. Yeah. Good example of those acquisitions got a press release from Vancouver here that uh, they have selected a center back that used to play for Montreal who played in Canadian premier league this past year. So again, depth piece value piece there have not seen anything come out from, uh, from Nashville SC there. So we presume they have not participated in stage one. There is a second stage that will take place on the 22nd. So next Tuesday. Uh, and we'll obviously have any updates for you. And Tim will have it on clubcountryusa.com. Uh, one final note before we move into the mailbag, uh, Huntsville's soccer team is going to be Huntsville City Football Club. As long as they go by the informal nickname of the Rockets, I'm happy. Uh, you knew they'd probably go somewhat conventional there, and and they did. Yeah, and it's something that we've talked about. It's It's going to be an interesting relationship with how people who are involved in Nashville SC as fans view Huntsville City Football Club because they have never had a minor league team essentially associated with Nashville SC and, and following it for uh, future players, following it as, as just a second team in a different league is going to be interesting. And now you know who you'll be rooting for. Sorry, I had a work no. small Mon order noise dun, dun. Hmm. uh so one thing i'm, I'm not gonna segue uh so before we get to the mailbag again quick shout to ml rose i referenced it on on tuesday's show uh but i was uh at ml rose on monday night for a world cup pick'em draft with a few other folks including Braden gall in the nashville soccer community uh, we each have four teams that we've picked in snake draft order. Uh, we'll get like three points for a win, one for a draw, points for knockout wins. And the winner is not going to get cash. They're going to get something much more valuable, Tim. And that is their dinner and drinks bought for them after the World Cup at MLROs. It's going to be going to be epic. 
Yeah, I, I know that there was a $2 billion uh, lottery jackpot just the other week, but that pales in comparison to, for example, Carolina Sweets mm. <laughs> fries or or a nice frosty beverage uh, from ML Rose. But in all seriousness, um, you know, these guys have always supported us and we're so happy that they are willing to not only host you guys for your <laughs> draft, but also uh, that that there's going to be a prize that comes from ML Rose and, and uh, you know, like we mentioned previously, if you are looking for a place to watch U.S. games at the World Cup, ML Rose is going to not only be open, um, that is not a guarantee for a lot of places, especially <laughs> the week of Thanksgiving, but they are going to have specials for the U.S. games. And so if you go there and check it out, um, you will be able to be surrounded by fellow uh, U.S. soccer fans and, and watching the game and, and in a great atmosphere as well. And not in some random TV in the corner. Audio is going to be on. And again, $3 Oscar Blues loggers from noon to 3 p.m., so an hour before those matches, through the end of those matches, uh, Monday the 21st, Friday the 25th, Tuesday the 29th, you can see me again at the Sylvan Park location, most likely. Um, I do have a two-year-old, so schedules can be unpredictable and also a day job. Uh, but I'm thinking I'll be able to get out for an extended lunch that may have off a beer or two and some World Cup watching this coming uh, this coming Monday at ML Rose. Don't, don't even get me started on my rant about whether the highway or Charlotte Avenue is the divider between the nations and, and Sylvan Park. It's, it's very it's very contentious only in my own mind. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> off off the record over a, uh, off the show over a beard and Melrose or two. Let's <laughs> let's debate this because I'm really I've never actually given deep thought to this. So I have to come up with my own my own theorem here. Uh, moving on, though, to the mailbag, John Mueller, do you think the front office this offseason is going to focus more on players who are already in the league or players that are currently elsewhere in order to fill fill their roster holes? It's it's standard MO in Major League Soccer and especially for this front office, I think, to primarily find those answers from within, especially at the um, piano carrier positions, as Mike Jacobs you have, loves to use that metaphor, piano players versus piano characters but you know i still think you know you look at the potential for a dp striker from elsewhere if they can figure out a taker for ake loba um i i've, I've mentioned on the show before that maybe jossie's artist coming in for a year plus a club option for a second is an appealing option for that striker position I, i've looked into that a little further i've thought about the value there i looked at his salary he's essentially making identically to what ake loba was making if you can get him on a cheaper contract it's kind of tempting to consider, but he's not scored more more than 10 goals since 2019. So I'm going to argue with myself here, Tim, and say, maybe that's not where you go. Maybe you do go outside of Major League Soccer if you're really willing to splash some money on that DP striker. But elsewhere, I think you can find most of your answers using the, um, the, the front office's chief skill here in Nashville, which is to find those market inefficiencies and extract value inside this league. Yeah, I, there's always going to be a roster spot or two available for players from outside the league. They are very happy to bring in guys who come from abroad to come in and and play a specific role or, or kind of be hopeful. And unfortunately, in some cases, it hasn't worked out. Um, in a Moneyball sense, Mike Jacobs has, has not made a mystery of the fact that he sees domestic talent or foreign talent that already plays domestically. For example, Honeyball Godoy. Um, he feels that stuff is undervalued. And if you pay for it, uh, and, and you're using general allocation money instead of uh, John Ingram allocation money, <laughs> uh, you, you are probably going to get a little bit more value than people realize. And, and Jacobs has shown that he knows what he's talking about when it comes to domestic talent as well. Um, this is a guy that people were making fun of. Um, we were even skeptical when the Anibal Godoy terms were publicized. And I think Anibal has come in and, and vindicated that 10 times over at this point. So 
when you're looking around the United States, when you're looking around Major League Soccer, but also USL, they know where to find guys and they do a good job scouting those guys. And I think they will always kind of focus on that, even if it's not going to be the only way they find players. You could call him Moneyball Godoy at this point. Moneyball Godoy. Moneyball no, Godoy. Nope. I take it back. Didn't work. Didn't work. But I do like the idea, by the way, of jam. John Ingram allocation money. Tam, <laughs> yeah, Gam, yeah. and Jam. So the the little used third type of allocation money. Hey, maybe rest, it'll be soon used rest more in this peace season. targeted allocation money, but <laughs> it's true. Uh Will Hammond with Nashville moving back to the east unofficially, he says. And that's true. It hadn't been publicly reported yet, has been speculated. Um, will it help add a little fuel to some regional rivalries? Yeah, it will. Um, and I think there's one in particular I'm looking forward to seeing flourish a little bit, and it's Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte's not next door, but they're in the state next door. They're another Southern team. I will say again, though, the best rivalries are not geographically ordained. They are organically made, and that's why NYC has been fun. Uh, the Maxi Morales, uh, you know, Dax McCarty's lightweight, featherweight scrap. Uh, and Orlando has been great due to the the importance of the matches they've played against each other. What do you think? What are you looking forward to? Is Charlotte one that kind of enters your radar? Yeah, yeah. Charlotte's definitely fine, especially because Nashville SC feels like their lone match this year was not exactly the dream game that NSC might have expected in their first matchup with a Charlotte team that did not build its roster very well in its inaugural season. For me, there's no question that the rivals in this league, um, regardless of which conference Nashville SC has been in, are Cincinnati and Atlanta. And that dates even before the league for both of those teams. Cincinnati was obviously a rival when the teams shared USL. Atlanta United was the first team that Nashville SC's USL side played in a preseason friendly in a on a very rainy day at First Tennessee Park where you and I sat next to each other outside <laughs> with our computers in the pouring rain. Yep. Um, those two are the easiest trips, although uh, from a Charlotte perspective, got to give a Got to give a shout out to, for the second time this episode, Clay Trainum, who uh, went with me. We drove to Charlotte to see Nashville C play the Independence, and we drove back on the same day during USL. Uh, very interesting choice by us, but uh, another shout out to the front of the pod. It's not a drive. It's not, it's like eight hours away. It's not, it's not a, a one day trip, really. So for that reason, I think Cincinnati and Atlanta will always be special for Nashville SC. Um, there might be a little juice in St. Louis as well, but mm-hmm. um, that remains to be seen. And that's potentially a, a Western conference team that Nashville SC might not even play this year. Yeah. We do expect St. Louis to enter in the West and Nashville to move back to, to the East. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Hammond says along with the new TV deal, of course, Apple TV providing set days for play. Will the move back to the East alleviate so many late start times? Yeah. The, the general policy is going to be, uh, around seven or seven thirty, I think it's seven thirty. Mm-hmm. It's seven thirty with a, a half hour pregame show yeah. in each time zone. So you're going to have you know the Eastern games kicking off at once, Central, etc. Uh, so yeah, I think generally speaking, that's the case. Nashville will still make some trips out west, but as a member of the East, that will of course be uh, be minimized. Yeah, I mean, it, I have a rant for another day, but I'm not a huge fan of the seven thirty start time uh preference to be honest i like soccer all day uh, like college football style you you mm-hmm. wake up and you wait a few hours and you know that there's going to be games from noon until or 11 our time until uh the wee hours of the morning if hawaii has a home game as well i think that's a better way to go about it you want to be able to saturate people especially when you own your platform and you don't have to fight for tv time slots but um you know with basically all the games on saturdays now aside from a few midweek ones that are probably going to be the shorter trips 
And those are mostly going to be 7.30 games and, and moving to the East, some 6.30, many more 6.30 games than there are going to be 9.30 games, that's for sure. So it should be a lot better for that sleep schedule. And, and the fact that they are on Saturday, so you, you aren't going to have the Sunday 9.30 p.m. game like we had twice this year. So oh, that's going to be quite a bit better. Or even worse, like the Wednesday or the Tuesday yeah. 9.30. That was, those are brutal. Well, Sunday, I, I actually hated Sunday even more because it was like, okay, yay, the weekend. And then it's like, oh, now I'm gonna have to go into a Monday with no sleep. Middle of the week, you're like, eh, yeah, I'll survive. But fair enough, fair enough. I your your point is well taken. I do like the reason though that they're doing these uniform kickoff yeah. times, which is they're gonna have whip around coverage. You'll be able to jump around to different games. That, yeah, that part's gonna be fun. I'm not I'm not a Champions League guy, so I have not watched the Golazo show that they have. It seems like a weird fit for soccer, but I know people really like it. I will trust them and <laughs> until I see it and, and make my own decision on it, but. For me, especially at the beginning and end of the year, I think not having a, a noon Eastern time slot where you can kind of uh, absorb some of the fans who have been watching Premier League games at their local drinking establishments is a really lost opportunity too. Yeah, I see that. I definitely see that. And I think, I mean, as as somebody who's not seen his Arsenal team play in the Champions League now in far too long, I really enjoy the Galazzo <laughs> show as a neutral. And perhaps- Yeah, you, you got to get in with this Europa Conference League. It's the best one. <laughs> That's true. The hammers are moving on, moving on to the knockouts. Perfect. Uh, I think a perfect record in the group stage. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we thought we'd be talking about today was uh, was Conference League, of course, on this show. Hey, and Cito, good to hear from you. He says, it seems like we're not getting any younger, but here's my question. If Nashville has room for a DP, will they use it? Well, for the time being, it's academic, right? Because there isn't a DP spot unless Nashville unloads or restructures the contract of Ake Loba. Um, I guess theoretically a, a huge world cup and, and Walker Zimmerman decides that he really does want to go to England. Um, he's, he's mentioned it before. It's, it's now or uh, never. Up for de- it's up for debate how, how genuine he is about wanting to, to uh, take the leap. Uh, I think he wants to test himself at the highest level. I don't necessarily think he is super interested in leaving a Nashville program that he absolutely loves. But as ever, if, if there's a need and a roster space open, if theoretically there's some way that a DP slot opens, the front office is going to explore ways to fill that need with whatever roster mechanisms are available. And if that's a DP slot, they will consider it. Um, they haven't always nailed those decisions when they've made them. Although I'm going to say hashtag justice for Jonder. He was much better than fans gave him credit for until he went on international duty uh, with Venezuela and ended up getting the novel coronavirus and was unable to play for basically the rest of the year. Before that, he was much better than he got credit for. So I, I don't think he's as much of a miss as some people say. But yeah, it's fair to say Rodrigo Pinheiro is the guy that they expected more out of at this point. So they aren't always going to get it right, but they are going to use the roster mechanisms that are at their disposal. Yeah, and I think you know the the front office would probably feel as if if they take another big swing, they at least need to hit a double the next time they sign a DP from mm-hmm. from abroad. Yeah, strikeouts and home runs, the two true outcomes. <laughs> I mean, in our polarized walk society, one of them too. I don't follow baseball. I don't know what the metaphor for a walk would be though in this in this case. I'm not really sure how that how that goes. Um, Jose, if we decide to sign an international player, do we have any slots left or would we have to pay a team to sell one to us using GAM? This as Nashville SC just announced on Thursday, the sale of a couple more international slots to NYCFC. It's a great, easy way to pick up GAM. You you know, you're not going to use all those slots. And in Nashville's case, they're not going to use many, but you would think, Tim, there's a plan here. And if they need to go purchase an international slot, 250k they, they would just not sell it in the first place <laughs> um you would yeah. think so right they're yeah. not gonna so, oversell so there a really quick rundown of what the rules are every team gets eight um there have been a couple permanent trades i cannot remember if uh which who sold them permanently to whom 
but uh, there are a couple teams that have seven and a couple teams that have nine, but uh, Nashville has eight and they have sold six of them so far since the end of the season, their 2023 roster slots. So um, there are two international slots remaining for Nashville SC. There are two international players um, Rodrigo Pinheiro, um, who obviously spent last year on loan, but is still under contract with Nashville SC and Ake Loba. Um, they would have to move one of those guys. Again, Pinheiro, if he goes out on loan, would count as a move. They would have one available. Because Jacob Schaffelberg's uh, uh, homegrown rights that were purchased from Toronto FC as a matter of his uh, loan to purchase option um, means he does not require an international slot, even though he is Canadian. Um, the expectation has always been that Randall Leal gets a green card. I think he got it before the roster compliance date last year. The club has has not publicized those in the past, and the MLSsoccer.com rosters are never accurate, so it's hard <laughs> to say using those. So. It seems like, assuming Pinheiro is out on loan again, there is one slot available. But if Nashville SC needs one, they have the the mechanisms and the and the relationships with other general managers around the league in place to acquire them. Payancito taking us the World Cup direction, and we're going to take that straight into outside in with a seamless soccer segue. He asks, which MLS player is going to have the best World Cup, aside from our guys, of course. Yeah, I'd- you have to say aside from our guys, because otherwise Walker Zimmerman's four set piece goals is going to easily take the cake. At least. I don't know who is going to have the best World Cup. Um, I'm rooting for Christian Roldan because um, a lot of people were really mad. They don't feel he's good enough to make the World Cup team. And so I would like for him to prove them wrong because he's an awesome dude. Uh, if it's going to be a United States player, I think it would have to be Jesus Ferreira. Um, most of the rest of the Americans are are guys who are going to go out and do a role. Um, Walker is one of the few exceptions, but Walker has been uh, eliminated from contention by the <laughs> nature of the question. So it'll probably have to be an international guy, probably a Canadian, honestly, because I think they have done a really good job setting up their team to make heavy use of Major League Soccer players. I mean, I think you go a cheap route and, and say Shakiri with Switzerland. You know, he's he's not the focal point still with them probably that he was a cycle ago. He's also the highest played, one of the highest paid players in this league. He's the highest uh, paid by a lot. By, yeah, I was going to say. He, he made like half again as much as, as the number two player. Well, I wonder if Cine passed him. I couldn't remember if he was ahead. Uh, yeah, I guess his his might have been annualized. So it was only half of the uh, year. Got yeah. it. There you go. You're hot Tim wintering me there. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't really care what the answer is here. I think I want them all to show out unless they're playing against the U.S., except in one case. Well, and backing up that rule in one case, not Gareth Bale. That's what I say. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Gareth Bale is going to have a super good World Cup because I do not think the Welsh FA is going to allow him to to make tea times while he's in Qatar. So how is he supposed <laughs> to have a good time out there? <laughs> if he shows up with the golfer tan, you know it's not going to be his day <laughs> on the pitch for sure. Uh, but hey, that world class speed. I mean, he can play around in two and a half hours. That's what that world class speed will tell you. <laughs> Um, he's he's well, using a cart for sure, right? <laughs> Let's stay outside in and talk about the uh, the marriage of MLS and the World Cup. At last count, um, as as players are still trickling onto rosters due to injuries and such, uh, 32 MLS players, give or take one there, are currently slated to play for their teams in Qatar. 11 for Canada. Uh, not surprising then, of course, you know, MLS nuclei, nuclei especially in, in Montreal. Nine for the U.S., so Canada first, U.S. second in terms of MLS players in Qatar. Can you name the third, trivia time again, most prominent country among MLS World Cup internationals? Yeah, I'm between two here because historically it would be Costa Rica, but I feel like there has been an Ecuadorian influx in the past couple of years. I feel like it might be Ecuador. With the addition of Ariaga from Seattle 
as an alternate player earlier this week, it is Ecuador. Yes. Well done. And you know who the other one is? It's Costa Rica. Yeah, there you go. Hot Tim winner is undefeated. I mean, Costa Rica Costa Rica is kind of like a layup there. They have historically sent a ton of players to MLS in the first place. So. Well, we just wish it was a Leal yeah. layup. If, if yeah. they had him on the roster, they would be up there tied with Ecuador. There's three Costa Ricans, four Ecuadorians now um, will be uh, will be playing from Major League Soccer. Um, here's, here's a fun question, I think, to, to kind of talk through. I think this may have been a mailbag question, or maybe it was one I jotted down. I don't remember now. It's been a couple of days since I put all this together. Somebody um, did ask us this, but I don't remember who. I'm I thought sorry. they did. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, unnamed question asker. Good question here. I think it Which might have been I'm... Trevor Bryant because I don't think you put a Trevor Bryant question in the. Oh, mail all right, Trevor. Sorry, I shorted you here. But and if it wasn't, you just take credit for it. <laughs> Trevor asks all kinds of good questions, so it wouldn't surprise us. Uh, which MLS player, maybe Trevor asks, will earn a big contract overseas as a result of his World Cup performance? Who's going to get a payday? Yeah, I'm rooting for Aaron Long um, for some of the same reasons that I'm rooting for Christian Roldan, to be fair, because people are mad that he's on the World Cup roster, so I'd like him to prove them wrong. He's also a dude who West Ham, come on, you irons, uh, would not shell out for as they spent way more on a couple of bad center backs from France a few years ago. And then after Red Bulls wouldn't sell him, he he tore his Achilles in the prime of his career. It would be a really nice redemptive story for a guy who has been pretty open about wanting to go over there to get that opportunity. So uh, it would be very nice if that were to happen, if, if you were to able, if he were able to kind of exceed expectations and, and earn that, that chance of a lifetime. Would you say he's the presumptive starter alongside Walker on, in the back line? I think at this stage it's gotta be Tim Ream because then you have the Nashville SC right side, and the, <laughs> the Fulham left side. I'm being a little facetious about Shaq Moore's inclusion in the first choice 11 for the USMNT. That'd be pretty cool though. Huh? Yeah, it would. It'd be great. Uh, I'm keeping my eye on um, Ismail Kone of Montreal. Bit of a deep cut here, but he's 20, so he's projectable. Uh, development, developmental players, can, Canadian, plays for Montreal now. Um, he has received seven-figure interest from championship clubs. Uh, the World Cup is great at turning players from seven figures to eight-figure players. Um, <laughs> he's going to have a chance if he's able to start against Belgium and Croatia, even just by making some nice individual plays. Not going to score a hat trick against either of those teams, but I think making making a strong showing against world class talent that especially Belgium has, but also last last cycle's runner ups in, Cro- in Croatia. Um, also, I think focusing on another club and another player helps me set aside that lingering dread I have that Walker's going to get poached. The Nashville's going to get an offer. That <laughs> I mean, can't refuse. frankly, Walker feels like the most likely in in reality, and we're we're kind of wish casting it away. Yes. As we do this. That is correct. That is correct. Um, all right, the, the the million dollar question again. We we will mostly talk about the marriage of MLS slash Nashville SC and this World Cup, but we got to give our our broad predictions here as well. Where's the U.S. men's national team going to finish? Are they going to make it out of the group? And if so, how far are they going to go from there? Yeah, they make it out of the group. Um, do you remember in the 2014 World Cup when Brazil lost seven one to Germany in the mm-hmm. semifinals? I do very well. It's happening again, Brazil. Sorry, guys. Not <laughs> U.S. to the U.S. to the final. <laughs> U.S. to the final. I make no promises about what happens when they get there. Uh, at least you're promising a 7-1 win over Brazil. Yes. That's, that's and really, that's the same as winning the World Cup as a 7-1 win over Brazil. This is a widely known equivalency. The, I don't even know if it's possible to play in this. MSA. I was trying to pull it up, but I was talking too fast. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, I think so. As long as, as I'm long pretty as sure that's how it works. Yeah, if, yeah. if the U.S. wins yeah. its group and Brazil wins its group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, a very realistic hypothetical, let's be honest, as Tim puts the country of club and country in all caps with that answer. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess I'll give the cliche answer here. I think, you know, they, they they probably 
make it out of the group by the skin of their teeth, uh, maybe even with a, a late win over Iran after drawing Wales, getting four points and sneaking out. Um, and then they're facing the Netherlands most likely in the round of 16. And then I, I treat those knockout round games like toss-ups rather than saying the Netherlands look stronger. They're clearly going to win because in knockout rounds, you just never know. So I'm going to say quarterfinals, best case scenario. Um, but I, I won't be shocked if they don't make it out of the group um, to, to put aside my my blind optimism for a minute. Farther than Mexico. Yes. I, I think <laughs> that's, 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 that's perhaps the most important. Lo mas importante as, as, I, I, as Quinto Partido. As great as Hector Herrera was for Houston this year, uh, except not at all. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So this is an awkwardly worded question. Which nations do you expect to surprise you? Or maybe expect to surprise everyone else? In your, yeah, if your I were own? expecting it, it wouldn't be a surprise, Mr. Bowling. It's true. I think Qatar might exceed expectations. Uh, host nations tend to do really well, and Qatar is not above some shady stuff that might help them uh, advance past expectations. But um, they also are, are pretty good. Um, they've obviously gone about it in ways that... Uh, might toe the line of FIFA rules, I guess you could say, but it it is a situation where they've managed to put together a pretty good squad and, and people don't have very high expectations for them. So I think it's them. They're, they're the Jacob Schaffelberg in that situation. There's <laughs> very much a lot of chalk on their boots. They're towing that line. And then some, um, I, and that's actually, actually what I had written down as well. And thought, I, I think group A is pretty wide open after the Netherlands, especially if Sadio Mane is out uh, for multiple matches for Senegal Ecuador's good, but but kind of unproven. Um, I could see it. I, could, I mean, host nations often get through um, against the odds, um, unless you're South Africa. That's kind of been in you know Brazil. Scrappy Brazil made it through uh, as well until that seven one loss to Germany. I, I think again, mine here is that Mexico is going to miss the knockout round for the first time in seven World Cups. I think uh, Lewandowski oh, a has shame. a key moment. Argentina, Poland will be, be devastated. I know by that. I see them <laughs> finish third. Uh, but I, I I could see that very very easily happening in the form that Mexico has has presented. Uh, they just they've struggled, and I know we would all enjoy hate watching just a little bit. Um, and I'm excited to watch Canada. I can't wait. Like it's really fun for me to be able to tell my son, who is half American, half Canadian, that I cheered for both of both of his nations, uh, and and we watched together when the U.S. beat Canada in the final. That'll be a special story <laughs> to tell him one day. Um, final whistle. Um, lots of lots of lots of World Cup content here uh, to to throw out. I'll just throw out one pretty simple. Um, the Athletic Soccer Show podcast, the guys that, that we often will read and hear about, Paul Tenorio, Sam Stayskull, uh, Josh Cloak covering Canada, Felipe Cardenas is going to follow Mexico. They're doing just kind of a day in the life each day. Um, at least that's what it's been so far because there's no soccer really to talk about yet. Um, their podcast, like the, the, the name of the kind of mini series they're doing is From Kuva to Qatar. It's really good. Right now it's walking into the market and seeing a lot of birds being sold. I think it's going to get more soccer centric as they go, but it kind of gives you a feel for the flavor of, of the experience. Um, and they're going to get into some of the darker stories as well. They're not going to be afraid to tell the human rights stories and get into some of that while also covering these teams uh, as they progress through the tournament. So um, good, good podcast listening. I've been traveling a lot for work and that's been my go-to to start the day each day. Yeah. For me, it's the, actually the official content that has been put out by us soccer. Um, they've done profiles of all these players, um, with their 26 stories, which are kind of telling a little bit of the background of some of these guys. And um, it's incredible the different paths that some of these guys have taken 
to get to the World Cup, to get to the U.S. men's national team in the first place. Um, and I'm actually going to insert what I was not planning to <laughs> to, to say here, which uh, a profile of Walker Zimmerman in the Washington Post earlier this week. Incredible story. Um, we obviously know and like Walker very well. Uh, the the opening anecdote of this story is about somebody who we also know and like very well, Chris Emmons, the assistant equipment manager for the club. Um, I'm going to cry just, <laughs> just talk about it, but really good stuff. Um, and then excuse me, on Twitter, uh, USSF put out videos of Greg Berhalter um, calling most of the guys and letting them know that they were going to the World Cup and some of them calling their parents um, the Christian World End one again. Awesome. So check those out. Uh, really good content from USSF. They don't always get credit when they do good stuff, uh, whether on or off the field. So so shouts to those guys. They've done an incredible job of, of getting people hyped up for the World Cup. The human side of this, like, like obviously we all want the U.S. to win every match and to get through. But the idea that so many victories have already been won, lifelong dreams realized no matter what happens, it's it's not Ted a moral Lasso billboards created. That's I, that's where I was going next, by the way, was that was brilliant marketing. As a, as a marketer myself, I got to I got to tip my cap to that that move. Pretty brilliant, although they're a little hard to read when you're driving down the interstate. Bit of a traffic hazard, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're not for that purpose, right? They're for social media purposes. Yeah. And, uh, pretty uh, pretty brilliant there. Great stuff. Um, we can't wait to to be part of the content. Hopefully that that you take in throughout the course of the World Cup. Try to plan some reaction shows as we go here through the cadence of of the U.S. men's national team's matches. And again, hope to see you guys at ML Rose as well. We thank them for their support of the show, uh, for the watch parties they're going to be putting forth. I'm going to try to get to uh, my seat at the bar by noon, I think, just in time for those Oscar Blues $3, uh, $3 beers on Monday. And hope to see some of you there at the, the West Nashville location, wherever you go, all four locations. Um, are going to be having those those watch parties. You can catch uh, you can catch the matches there and come together with other fans, um, even non NSC fans. You can you can cheer for the same team with them <laughs> if there are any of those in this town. Any of our leftover Atlanta United fans from the pre NSC days. <laughs> Gross. Um, Moon Taxi obviously providing the music. Thanks to them. Uh, hop on right now and give us a quick rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, we would love for you to give your feedback as to what you like about the show. Other trivia questions that you want me to try to ask Tim to stump him because he got like all three of them right today, and that is hurting my pride because I went over two on his two parter. Um, <laughs> subscribe, tell a friend, and follow us each on Twitter. Thanks to the 440 Sports Network uh, for giving us the opportunity to to cover this club in this format, and we'll talk to you again very soon.